open. There are some pew Bibles right in front of you. And, um, and then if you don't, you're welcome to use a mobile device. Or I have a giant Jesus iPad up here on the screen that um, you can follow along with me on that. And so I want to talk to you just uh, this morning here about we have a king. We have a king. And, and I know that's a, kind of an interesting phrase, we have a king, here on Palm Sunday. And just want to talk to you for a few moments about this idea, this reality that we have a king. And as, uh, as a church, we're preparing for this uh, parenting series as well. And uh, as, so as you're finding the Gospel of John chapter 12, um, and just taking some time in the New Testament to find that, um, I don't know about you, but as we get ready for this parenting thing, I've been thinking a lot about that. And um, I went to college uh, and studied. Uh, I have a perfect parenting degree. Um, I can show it to you. By the way, I graduated from Gardner-Webb University, if any of you saw the uh, men's NCAA tournament. We lost to the national champions, UVA, and so I suppose that's not too bad. Uh, okay, you can clap for Gardner-Webb. You can't clap for UVA, though. Um, ushers, please escort anybody out. That um, uh, That's right. We, we'll forgive you next week. Uh, it may take longer than that for me to forgive you, but, um, you know, I went to Gardner-Webb and said, what are you talking about, Pastor? I went to Gardner-Webb and studied child psychology, and, and I was uh, actually been working with children and teenagers for over 20 years. I thought about that, and I was like, wow, it's already uh, 2019. So it's been over 20 years I've been working with children and, um, and teenagers. I, I helped out in high schools. Even as I was in high school, I worked with special needs kids um, and, and in a small private school setting. I helped uh, teach some classes, and then I worked uh, in the city and the rec centers. I worked in after-school programs. I did big brothers, big sisters. And then I was a teacher for a while in public schools. And then I worked here at the church for about 15 years as a youth pastor and, and worked with children and, and here at our preschool as well. And so um, before I had kids, I had all kinds of theories about how to raise kids. I had every theory known to man. Do you know what I'm saying? And I had a degree... And I had all the theories in the world. And then I had my first child. And all of a sudden, I realized those theories work on other people's kids or imaginary kids. But they didn't work on my kids. Do you know what I mean? We had our first child, Lydia. She's a teenager now. She's 14. And, um, and man, I tell you what, we just had no clue what to do. You get this picture, like you're going to get this Gerber baby. And things are going to be great. And you're just going to hold that baby. We just have these bonding moments. And, and this is going to be wonderful. And then you get this thing that, that, that throws up from both ends and, and doesn't stop crying. And, and uh, man, and she was a very colicky girl. And I, my kids, I love my kids. I really appreciate my kids. And they are useful for a lot of sermon illustrations, uh, bless their hearts. And so pray for my children because uh, it's tough. It's tough being my kid for a lot of reasons. But, man, she was colicky. And, and we just didn't know what to do. I came home from work and my wife, man, hair was just frazzled, eyes bloodshot. And she just, like, hands me this kid. And she's like, this is yours. And she's like, I got to go. I got to go. And, um, and she just cried all the time, just nonstop crying. And uh, we lived in an apartment at the time, and, and it was like a little U-shaped uh, apartment complex. And I just took that kid. The only thing I do uh, was walk her. And I just walked her around the apartment. Because, number one, if she cried, uh, it didn't hurt anybody's feelings because you're outdoors, plenty of noise, that sort of stuff. But, you know, in apartment living, you don't want a baby screaming, you know, because you've got people to the left, the right, and above you, and they're, like, hitting with the broom, like, you come down here, feed this kid. I'm going to drop him off on your doorstep, you know. And so, and so man, I, I thought I had all this stuff figured out about kids and, uh, until I had kids. And then I learned out very quickly 
uh, things were a lot harder than uh, people told me, a lot harder than I, than I realized. And so maybe when I was younger, I would have entitled as we're getting ready to start a sermon series on Sundays uh, after Easter. And so in two weeks, we're going to go through a whole sermon series as well. And uh, I would have entitled the Ten Commandments for Parents. And then after I had one kid, I probably would have maybe just changed it like the Ten Suggestions for Parents, right? Um, and then we had three kids, um, and we thought we were doing really well. And we're like, okay, all right, we've got three kids now. We can do this. And then God was like, ha, ha, ha. And uh, we're going for number four, a nice even number. Everybody gets a buddy, someone to ride with on roller coasters. Life will be perfect. And, um, and they're all girls. We're like, maybe we'll get one boy. And then we get twins. And, um, and God is like, here you go. And, uh, and then, man, I tell you, that just broke us. It just broke me and my wife. I mean, two screaming babies at once. And uh, we got pictures of, like, my wife, like, trying to feed one with a foot and holding another one. I mean, it was just crazy. And, and I met a lady a few weeks ago at a retirement ceremony. and She had three kids, and then God gave her triplets. And I was like, okay, you win, you win. And I want to say they were all boys, right? If you got boys, you just know, like, oh, my gosh, six boys. It's a miracle how anybody survived. And so I, I, I started to realize I would change the title of, of the series instead of the Ten Commandments or even the Ten Suggestions. We would just maybe subtitle it, A Possible Few Hints for Just Some of You Guys. Right? Just that humility there. And, um, and I don't know everything about kids, but I have learned a few things. Amen? I have learned no parents are perfect. I have learned no, no kids are perfect. Right? And uh, I learned a few other things as well. No, no, the first thing I also learned was that having kids definitely brightens up a home, doesn't it? Yeah, mainly because they never shut off any lights. I mean, that's the real reason they brighten up the home. Right? I mean, it's like, come on. And I feel like my dad. It's like, I never thought I would say what my dad said to me, but turn off the lights. I also learned, I learned this about kids, that, that a small child is the only person in the world, the only person in the universe that can brush their teeth and not get the toothbrush wet. Have you guys noticed that? Or they can wash their hands and their hands won't be wet or the soap won't be wet. We, we had to go old school for a couple of weeks. We ran out of the nice liquid soap and, and I introduced my kids to bar soap and they didn't know what to do. They're like, dad, what do we do with that? You know, it's like, Put it in your hands and rub it, you know, that sort of stuff. But then we check that, too, and it's like, the bar of soap's not wet. You didn't wash your hands, you know. Uh, I also learned uh, why more kids take piano lessons than take violin lessons. Have y'all ever, did anybody ever tell you why more kids take piano lessons than violin lessons? It's because it's a lot harder to lose a piano than it is to lose a violin. And, I mean, kids just lose stuff left and right. And, um, and it seems like when you're a parent, you, you th things just the other thing I learned is that things don't go the way you think they're going to go. You think I'm going to do this for my kids and they're going to love it. And then it goes south real fast. Right. I've learned this free for you. I've learned never tell my kids when we're going someplace special. Right. OK, we're getting ready to go on vacation. I'm packing when you're at school or while you're asleep, because if I we went on vacation just a few weeks ago and uh, to the Outer Banks. And man, it was craziness trying to get everything ready. Uh, for and it was just like, why are we doing this? Next time, man, you guys are going out somewhere and we're packing because they're just like, can we leave yet? What are we doing about this? And they're hanging off the chandelier and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And I heard another parent, they were telling a story about this mom was like, I'm going to be a good mom today. And uh, normally I just make one meal for my kids. You get what you get. You don't have a fit. But she's like, I'm going to let them choose. I'm going to be a good mom. I'm going to give my kids a choice, right? So you think this is going to turn out well, right? So she said, all right, kids, you guys get to choose. You can get spaghetti or you can get waffles and sausage. And then she thought, this is going to be great. And then the youngest one is having a fit and having cry and, and crying like crazy. Why is she having a fit and crying? Because she ends up saying, I wanted 
spaghetti and sausage. And you wouldn't let me have that. But that was one of the two choices. The mom said, no, waffles and sausage or spaghetti. You pick one of those. And it's like what you think is going to turn out right really turns out wrong. And so, man, how do we do this as parents? And uh, but, but the reality is we're going to just unpack this for several weeks. And if you're here and you're not a parent, you're a grandparent, come back, invite a friend. The reality is, um, I don't know if you realize this, but Jesus had a lot to say about how we treat children. And I really believe our homes, our churches, our nation will never be great until we learn how to treat children. Amen. Jesus said, don't don't prohibit the kids from coming to him, but let them come to him. The disciples were all spiritual, trying to have Bible study, and the kids are running all around doing what they do, and they want to come up and see Jesus. And the disciples are like, no, 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 no. We're trying to have Bible study. You've got to be quiet and go away, you know. And Jesus said, no, let them come to me. And so, man, and he, and he in fact, the strictest judgment, I don't know if you guys know, the strictest judgment was reserved for people who misled or hurt or abused kids. Jesus went mafia on people. I don't know if you know this. We think of Jesus, tender, meek, and mild. But he pulled, my family's from New York, he pulled some, like, well, my family does some, some Guido, you know, type New York stuff. Like, we're going to throw you in the East River. What Jesus said, he said, anybody who leads a child astray, it would be better for you to have a millstone tied around your neck and thrown in to the river. Jesus said that. You're like, wow. That's how Jesus views children, innocent and, and needing our care and our protection. So no matter where you are, you're single, you coming and learning how to treat kids is going to be important for all of us. And so we're going to kick it off with the brunch, uh, as you'll see on that card, free brunch. And then every Sunday uh, through April 28th uh, through uh, May 19th, we're going to talk about this um, and some parenting goals. We're going to talk about what do kids really need, not, not what kids want. We're going to talk about how to build significance. We're going to talk about what do we do when we blow it, because we all blow it as non-perfect parents. What do we do then? And so um, I, I've, the last thing I've learned is this, and then we're going to look at our text, is that parenting is really the hardest job in the world. Have you guys realized that? It is so difficult to be responsible for the lives. And I see we got some kids in here, and you guys need to know, your parents have a difficult job. Your grandparents have a difficult job. And then if the, if the job wasn't hard enough as it is, our world has changed since I was a kid. And if you're in here as a grandparent, you know the world has changed drastically since you were a kid, right? And if you're in here as a great-grandparent, like some of you are, or some of you are, are super greats, great, great, I mean, the world is so different. So we've got to raise kids in a world that's just kind of gone mad with technology, with social media, with like immoral leaders everywhere you turn. You know, we used to be able to say, hey, you can look up to this person, that person. Now it's like, oh, kids, don't watch any TV except for, El no, you can't even watch Elmo anymore because I don't know what happened with him. You know, it's like, it's like, oh, my gosh, everybody is, you know, being accused of something in our world. And it's crazy. Human trafficking, violence, wars, conflicts, persecution, violence and crime, natural disasters. I mean, this happening everywhere, economic uncertainty, unemployment, divisions within our country and racism, disease and death that kids are faced with now at a younger age. And it's like, man, we're fearful for our children's future. Amen. It's like, how can I bring up a kid in this crazy world? We're fearful for our families. We're fearful for our, our financial. It's like, how do I have health care? And, and provide for a family. And there's a lot of things to be worried about, amen? And even if you don't have kids, there's plenty in our, in our world to be worried about and to produce fear in us. It seems like the constant news cycle is always doing this. And so how do we navigate this? And this is really going back to the statement I made earlier. The way we handle this is we have a king, amen? When you have a king who is on your side and you're on his side, you know you don't have to worry about the kingdom because the king comes with the kingdom and he defends the kingdom and he protects his people. And so in John chapter 12, I have a feeling we're a lot like the people in John chapter 12. 
In fact, we could probably argue they're in a worse situation than us, right? The disciples and the people in John chapter 12, man, they were faced with a Roman oppressor. I know some of us, we like to learn about Rome and, and we look at all the beautiful things they build, their architecture and their, their muscles, and we watch the movies. And, and Rome looks beautiful unless you're oppressed by Rome, right? You know what I'm saying? See, we, we don't hear the stories about all the nations that Rome invaded and the peoples they conquered and ruled over, and they lived underneath their foot. And so the Jews in Palestine were one of the many groups of people that were under this Roman oppression. And man, to live under that kind of oppression is far worse than, and listen, oppression is real in America today and is real throughout our world, and it is horrific. But I'm telling you, Rome was ruthless. I mean, th there were no rights anywhere. People would come into a village. They would come in to take your taxes. They were heavily taxed. And people lived in, in destitute poverty. And they would come in and, and without any cause, if you weren't a Roman citizen, they could take you, they could take your wife, they could take your kids and do whatever they wanted. And there was nothing you or I could do about it. People were being crucified along roads, just left and right. How would you like to, you know, raise your kids in that environment? You know, it's like bad enough we've got to worry about some of the things. Like, oh, crucifixion here. We're going to take a different route to school today, kids. You know, I mean, it's like, wow, this is crazy, this world that they lived in. And these people were, were yearning for some change. They were yearning for some hope. They were yearning for, we need some help. And so in steps Jesus, and God sends Jesus to be their Savior, to be their Messiah. And that's really what that means, the anointed one. And Jesus didn't just come to save them from Roman oppression. He came to really save them from a greater oppression. Because there, there are more powerful forces than the forces in our world. You guys know what I'm talking about? There are evil powers that cause people to do these wicked things. That's really what's going on behind every atrocity, behind every foul act, every mass shooting. There is demonic, I don't know if you've watched the interviews with these people, but you can tell there's something demonic. The, the, the human being that is supposed to be there, there's something twisted that's gone on there. And there is demonic powers, and those demonic powers are after every single person. We all struggle with that. And so let's look at the text here. I just want to share this with you quickly, and then we'll be out of here. In John chapter 12, verse 12, we'll throw it up. Again, on the giant Jesus iPad, it says this in verse 12 of the Gospel of John. It would help if I was in the right place. I was bumping my gum so much, I lost my place. So i got to find John chapter 12. It says this, the next day, the next day. By the way, this is after a plot to kill Jesus and a man he raised from the dead. You can see that if you're looking in your Bible. They were planning to kill Jesus and this man named Lazarus. And I always wondered, like, Lazarus died once. And, uh, and what are you going to say to Lazarus? You know, he's like, you already killed me once. You're going to try to kill me again? Like, mm, I got, you're not scared of me, okay? And uh, the next day, verse 12, the next day a large crowd that had come to the feast, this is the feast of the Passover, which was a Jewish tradition, heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. They took their palm branches. I can see the palms here, right? In fact, just reach over and touch your neighbor and tell them, Wave your palms in the air like you just don't care. That's right. No. Wave your palms in the air like you just don't care. They're waving these palm branches, right? Some of y'all are, are ready for it. I appreciate that, Brother Joe. I see you. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the Lord, even the king of Israel. And then Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it just as it is written. And then this is a prophecy from hundreds of years from, from an Old Testament book called Zechariah. And this is the prophet says, Fear not, daughter of Zion. And Zion was another name for Jerusalem. Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your what? Your king is coming. That's the second time king is referenced. Your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. 
Verse 16, his disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, that was after the crucifixion and resurrection, then they remembered these things that had been written about him and had been done to him. And the crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. Like, man, we've seen Jesus do these amazing things. Then verse 18, it says this. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they had heard he had done this. And so then here comes the religious experts, the Pharisees. These are the the religious know-it-alls, the hypocrites. They're so spiritually stuck up, they can't see who Jesus really is. They said to one another, you see that you are getting nothing. In other words, man, none of this stuff is working out. We're trying to quiet Jesus and get him away from the people. And it says this, look, the whole world has gone after him. We have a king, and a king brings a kingdom, amen? And, and I'm here to let you know that as this text, in fact, if you just look back at the verse there, uh, verse 13, where it says, they brought branches and, and their palm trees, and they cried out, Hosanna! So they're waving these palm branches, and the word Hosanna actually coming from the original Hebrew means Savior. They're crying out, we need a Savior, man. The world we're living in is crazy, and we need a king to come take out all the enemies that are attacking us and our children. We need a king, Savior. Or actually it means, literally translated, it could mean save us. The, the Hebrew word is Yasha, and then when you add the na to it, so it would be Yasha na or Hosanna, that na on the end means save us now. Like we are in trouble right this second. Please save us now. So Hosanna, when they're shouting, that means save us now. And every person needs a savior. I hope you know that. Don't miss that. Every person, every man, woman, boy and girl, every child needs a savior to save us, right? Every parent, every grandparent, every child. Because there's a captivity. These people were living underneath an oppression, but there's a captivity all humans are living underneath. We all find ourselves under the captivity of an enemy called the devil. And we have a universal, listen to me now, a universal inability to rescue and save ourselves. Kids, I see y'all in here. You guys can testify and parents can testify, right? C.S. Lewis, the great writer who wrote Chronicles of Narnia, many things he says, no man knows how truly bad he is until he has tried very hard to be good for a short time. No man knows how truly bad he is until he has tried very hard to be good just for a short time. Kids, have you guys tried to be good for a couple hours? Right? Have you guys done that for a couple hours? Yeah? All right, we got some yeses over here. Do we, do we want to start like a little courtroom? Like, Anybody want to testify against this side here? No, I'm just kidding. We won't do that too them this morning. But I know I found it very difficult to behave just for a few minutes sometimes, it seems like. When you really try to be good, you realize, man, I don't have the power to, to make myself good. I'm, I try and I try. And listen, Christianity is not about religion and about working our way to earn God's acceptance. It's about God came down to us to rescue us, and it's about having that relationship with him. And so that's what it is. Every person needs saving. These guys miss the Savior a little bit as well. They thought this could be this political savior. And really, they didn't realize there was a worse oppression on There was a worse enemy outside of them and inside of them that they needed saving from. Every person, we all have a universal inability to save ourselves. And then the second word there, notice what it says. Hosanna, blessed is he, look, look with me at the text there. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the what? The king of Israel. We have a king. And, and, and what they're doing here with these palm branches, this is how they would celebrate a king's victory. Some of y'all have seen Star Wars, right? I believe it was Empire Strikes Back, right? And, and after they defeated all them, they were on Endor with the little Ewoks and those cute little furry mini 
bears, right? After they did all that, they, they um, man, they celebrated. And there was this big celebration. They were waving stuff, and they were celebrating, and Luke and Leia, now they redid it, so it's not the same as the old one, but, you know, I'll, I'll take that. I'll accept that. And, um, and so they had this big celebration, right? And, um, and kings, back in the old days, when there was an enemy attacking a city or an enemy attacking a nation or a people, the king and his army went out to fight and protect his people and to care for them. And then if he won, they would come back and celebrate with palm branches, and they would wave those palm branches symbolizing peace. Right? And they're saying, we have peace now because our king went out, and they would lay, as they did here in the text, they would lay their cloaks and their robes on the road before them, right? saying, man, we're not worthy. Our king is just awesome, and he has protected us, and he has went out there, and the king has fought for us. We need a king, amen, to fight for our kids. We need a king to fight for us, to fight for our families, to fight for our marriages. We need a king. Kids need a king, right? I want you kids to know when somebody is messing with you in school and you're feeling, man, sad and discouraged and there's bullies or you're feeling like you're not doing well enough, you have a king you can call out to. And he is your defender and your protector. And you listen to what he has to say to you, amen, versus what the world has to say to you. And so we have a king. He's riding into the city after victory. And I want you to know about King Jesus, no one's ever stopped him. Do you know that? He is the one who has stilled every storm. He is the one that has raised the dead. He has fed 5,000 with just a few fish and a couple loaves of bread. They tried to stop him. As we move towards Easter, this Friday is Good Friday. It's the day Jesus was crucified. And, and as they tried to stop him there, all the forces of hell, all the wicked powers of the world, they tried to put Jesus and kill him and snuff him out. But do you know that Jesus had a genius plan? And his plan, they thought, oh, we got Jesus God sent him here. We're going to kill him. We're going to crucify him. And he's dead. We won. But the genius of Jesus was outsmarting the enemy's plan. And it was through the death of Jesus on the cross that he set all captives, all human beings free because we've all sinned against God. None of us is perfect. None of us is righteous as God calls us to be. And instead, by dying on the cross, he takes our place and gives us his righteousness. And we trade places. That's the miracle of Easter. And he rises from the grave triumphantly. And so all the legions of the demons were whipped, right? Satan himself had his head crushed. So I don't know if you guys are familiar with the movie The Avengers. You guys probably never heard of that, have you? Um, might be a new one coming out just in a few weeks. Maybe some of the kids have seen that. But in, in one of the early Avengers movies where Loki, he is sort of Thor's brother, he's just terrorizing the world, and he's about to unleash legions of Shatari aliens from another dimension on them, and he is just whipping the Avengers. He has this conversation with Tony Stark, otherwise known as Iron Man, and he is just saying, look, I'm a god, and, and you can't find me, and I've got an army, and that's what the little meme up here says, Loki says, I have an army, and then Iron Man says, look, we have a Hulk, right? If you've seen the Incredible Hulk, he just terrorizes everything. Big old Chitauri, like, alien thing flies to it, and Hulk just smashes it one time, like, pow, and all the Avengers together couldn't stop it, and Hulk just smashes it, and he says, we have a Hulk. In fact, this has become a very popular saying. I think, David, show me a couple more we got back there, right? They made it, right? Keep calm. We have a Hulk, right? Keep calm. We have a Hulk. You don't have to worry. They even make tank tops for women, right? If you want one of those, just go online there. We have a Hulk. Uh, you have an army. We have a Hulk. The phrase I want us to remember is this. You might have an army to the devil, but we have a king. Amen? Reach over, touch your neighbor, and tell him we have a king. We have a king. And so as we celebrate, thank you, Ms. Harris. I appreciate that. One clap. And um, as we celebrate Palm Sunday and as we move into Easter, 
we have accounts because some of y'all weren't touching your neighbor and telling me, you're just like, okay. Do I touch my neighbor? Do I clap? What do I do? And so we have a king, and therefore we can have confidence as we navigate our own health issues, as we navigate our marriages, as we navigate this crazy world. We can say, I have a king who rides out to defend me. And, and being a Christian is simply submitting my life to him and surrendering him and just enjoying the, the protection and the kingdom of the king. But you know what it takes? It takes being right, part of the kingdom. It takes saying, I surrender myself. I want to be a part of what you have. I'm tired of living the way I have lived. And that's what it means to be a follower of Christ. We're not perfect. No church is perfect. No people are perfect. But it means we've surrendered our lives to the king. And so your family can change. My family can change. And that's where we are. So I want to invite you back. Next week is Easter. We've got a great celebration plan. The, the title of the message is When You Can't Get Out. You can't get out of a situation. What does our king do? And then after that, we're starting this parenting series, that brunch. You can put that on your connection card if you didn't get a chance to turn that in. Um, there are baskets on your way out. So let's have a closing word of prayer, and we're going to sing one last song, and then we're going to prepare for lunch and an egg hunt. Amen? All the people said amen for egg hunts. At least the kids did. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for being our king. Thank you that I know I'm not strong enough. I'm okay to admit that, Lord Jesus, because there have been so many situations in my life that are way bigger than me. As I've faced health crises, as I've faced raising my own kids, as I've faced relational issues, as I've faced job issues, as I've faced issues of my family and friends, well, there are so many things that are far greater than me. I'm thankful that I have a king who works on my behalf, who loves me so much that he went to the cross. That as we said earlier, that king thought I was worth dying for and every single person on this earth worth dying for. Lord, I ask a blessing over these parents, over these families, over every person that's here today, single, married, divorced, whatever their situation is, God, they have a king they can run to, running to the feet of Jesus. And so, Lord, we are here to put our trust in you. And we're so thankful for that. And so, God, I ask again that you would continue to speak to each of us this week, this special week, this holy week, children and adults alike. God, help us just to be continually amazed at who you are, Father. We thank you for the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all sin, as our brother Chris was praying earlier. And God, that you care about every heart. You don't care about our situation and the things that we have done. You don't care about our past. You just invite us to come to you. And no one is written out of God's story. And I thank you for the promises of Scripture, Lord. We just pray that you would continue to be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Would you stand to your feet? We're